The Spin-Off Podcast Network. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by SparkLab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about SparkLab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. You're listening to Business Is Boring, a podcast that wants to prove it's anything but. Business Is Boring is made by the spin-off with help from Vodafone Zone. Please welcome your host, Simon Pound. Great entrepreneurial ideas come from people, but also from environments that foster creativity, provide support and lift people to help them go further. This might be part of why co-working spaces, places where creatives and companies can rent space by the desk or the week, have exploded around the world as hubs for people to go to, to make their dreams happen and keep their motivation and energy up. And here, the name BizDojo has been synonymous with co-working since they started on Karangahapi Road in 2009. Founded by Jonah Merchant and Nick Shuring, they grew from a few people and desks to now having thousands of residents and a string of co-working and collaborative spaces across New Zealand with some big plans for 2018. They've been a big part of bringing Grid AKL into being that many in the Auckland tech scene would know and have also played a role in thousands of creative enterprises and have been keen to give back where they can, taking leadership positions in the industry. Like last year, when they ran a survey around mental health issues facing entrepreneurs under their initiative designed to support and help founders in New Zealand, Founders Central, they found some concerning statistics. Most respondents had faced problems, and most of them had not sought help due to stigma, time, or resource concerns. This is a problem that is perhaps built into the culture of the founder, the founder that goes further than the normal to win, but one that we need to talk about. Very recently, the local scene lost a wonderful man that many of us worked closely with and rode the roller coaster of this life with, and that really hits home about how hard it can be and how, when what we do is not ordinary, we need extraordinary support in place. As part of highlighting this issue last year, BizDojo co-founder and chief entrepreneur Nick Shuring talked about his own experience in the context of his success and business life and how asking for help and being honest about the ups and downs is so important. He joins us today to talk about his journey and about the reaction to that survey. Nick, thanks for joining us. Uh, and let's go right back to the beginning of what you were doing creatively before you started BizDojo. Yeah, look, um, Simon, yeah, thank you so much. And, um, you know, we really appreciate the opportunity to talk about a, a topic uh, that is, you know, obviously so close to our hearts and, and the hearts of many of our community and our residents. Um, yeah, look, I mean, I, I suppose like all good startups, it kind of starts uh, with a few quiet drinks, um, uh, a little bit of uh, um, kind of, uh, negativity around, gosh, you know, I, I wish we could do this and I wish we could do that and I reckon I could do this better. And and for Jonah and I, when I think back to when we, um, you know, sort of the genesis of BizDojo, um, you know, that that really evolved out of our, our time at New Zealand. And so 
Um, in New Zealand, obviously, is uh, an, an incredible organisation, 10,000 staff, and really, uh, in a lot of ways, the public face to uh, what New Zealand is about. You know, often it's the first experience that someone uh, internationally has when they think New Zealand. They usually it's uh, meeting a, an amazing uh, cabin crew member or, or, or one of the staff that joins that. And when we worked at in New Zealand under um, Rob Fife's direction. Uh, who is a, an incredible leader, and, and, and I definitely feel uh, I learned a lot from his um, constant focus on being open and dealing with the problems and talking about the problems. You know, never shy away from an issue; just communicate about it. And um, yeah, and that, look, that was really the genesis of this dojo was our, our time there. And, and so um, you, you and Jonah were working in as part of like a a special innovation kind of wing for Air New Zealand. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, well, look, it was um, it was incredible. Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd run a, a few of my own startups and um, a bit of consultancy work around in the mobile space and, and how that was transforming. And uh, Jonah and I were part of the innovation adventure team there, uh, actually under Eli Weir at the time, uh, who was the head of innovation there. And it was all about how can Air New Zealand look to the future and transform how it operates? What can it be doing to be uh, pushing the customer journey and the customer experience Beyond uh, just you know twelve hours sitting in a tube uh, and um, and and bored out of your brain and and so it was it was a was a both a, an incredibly positive thing it could totally ruin us uh, for doing boring projects ever again <laughs> um, uh, but it, but it was also just a it was a the first time that uh, a, you know Jay and I that we'd we'd worked on uh, you know an agile uh, Design-led um, innovation outcomes, you know, kind of, kind of led project. So it was, it was, um, yeah, it was it was amazing, transformational. I kind of, you know, that it's such a cheesy word, but it, but it really was. It was kind of like a light bulb went on for us um, that uh, you know has, has not gone off. So um, and, yeah, it was incredible. And so from being in that environment and and working on changing the experience, which is quite a different thing after working in mobile and apps. What was it about that multidisciplinary um, melting pot, many creatives um, thrashing it out together? Was that kind of something that led you to co-working or was co-working something where you saw the possibility for that same kind of um, outcome? Yeah, well, we, uh, we were working with IDEO. IDEO and uh, DesignWorks were the kind of lead uh, consultancy and, and design practices that were leading that project. And their strategies and methodology was around taking uh, as many um, completely uh, multidisciplinary um, people, putting them in a room and going, right, solve this problem in a way that's never been solved before using outcomes-based innovation techniques. And uh, and for us, you know, we were kind of going, well, this this feels like the most natural way to work we'd ever worked. So, you know, we had, uh, you know, a game developer, a designer, an artist, uh, musician, uh, you know, engineer, um, you know, a few mavericks like myself, I suppose, in there as, as almost unemployable lunatics. Um, and, you know, and then the, the chemistry that came from that uh, diverse mix of experiences, ethnicities uh, and skills w- w- was was amazing. And, and at the end of that project, we went, well, we can't actually ever go back to just doing normal projects. We have to work this way. And the, and the term co-working uh, it really basically didn't exist. When we launched the Zojo back in 2009, um, we, the peer group in this industry was tiny. I mean, there was less than a couple of hundred operators globally. 
Uh, and one of the first operators, who's a really good friend of ours, Alex Holman from MB Hall in Philadelphia, he'd only launched about a year and a half before us, and it was considered, you know, in the first, you know, five to ten operators in the world. Uh, you know, since 2009, we think there's around about 25 of that first 200 that are still operating or still carrying on. Uh, but the industry has gone from you know, pretty humble beginnings, you know, how do we get a bunch of cool people hanging out in the same room, to now, uh, you know, the darlings of the bull, we work $20 billion valuation, um, uh, you know, um, thousands and thousands of locations all over the world, tens of thousands of operators, millions of people working from these spaces. I mean, it's um, easy to say that it has become uh, a force to be reckoned with. And, um, and I, I suppose... The big thing for me and why I love co-working and I love this industry is that at its heart, it's a social business. You know, people come in and work there not because they're looking for a desk or a chair, but they're looking for a sense of belonging and they're looking for a community they can be part of. And and I think it's because, uh, we're, you know, when you clear away all the noise and the bravado of us as human beings, we're, we're actually pretty shy. We're Often we're, we feel pretty lonely, um, and uh, and you know if, if we could choose, we'd want to surround ourselves with people who inspired us and and uh, helped us when we're having those you know those low moments, and you know and that, and that's really I think that universal uh, thing of uh, of co-working and why it's been such a powerful uh, powerful movement around the world. And right from the beginning, you and the team had a slightly different approach on it than let's find a cool space and just get some uh, fast internet and some desks because you always had a curated kind of approach, didn't you, where you wanted to make yeah. sure that you had a mix of skills and capabilities so that people could um, collaborate and do more together. How did you go about kind yeah. of seizing on that and making that uh, uh, something that happened? Well, it's a, a massive amount of trial and error. Um, I suppose we... From the get-go for this dojo, we've had two kind of metrics that we've always focused on. One was ROI, which everyone knows, and the other one, which is always more important to us, was ROC, which was return on community. And you know, and, and from the early days, you know, from the bootstrapping days and no pay and being evicted from houses and all those kind of fun things that you do when you start a business, especially one that is uh, as capitally intensive as uh, as co-working, and um, we knew that. Uh, we wanted our community to thrive and scale and grow. And, and that was not necessarily they take more space or they do that, but just then on a personal level, scale and, and, and develop and grow and reach their potential. And that was always the kind of, you know, uh, kind of uh, ethos, um, you know, be bold, be original, uh, always do the right thing, you know, and all these kind of things that were kind of in, inherently ingrained in our DNA as a company around how we support each other. Was, was really from that start. And we realised that the more energy we could put into helping our community be resilient and happy and deal with the shit that comes from life, uh, you know, the byproduct of that was they were more successful. They would scale, they would grow. The business was, you know, able to be more resilient itself and, and scale and grow. And, and it's been a very mutual symbiotic relationship ever since, you know, um, we we uh, used to joke about this, and with you know our sort of um, some of our older team members that have been with us for a really long time, that we'd sit down and we you know we never had any money, so you know we're always you know bootstrapping. You know we we took bootstrapping to a whole different level. We would borrow someone else's boots, <laughs> uh, try and try and loan them to someone else, and rent them out, and then try and do that. So I mean, yeah, I mean we have run on the idea of a small uh, a, a uh, what, what's that term? Uh, the 
the um the, the, idea of a smiley rag for, for years. Yeah. Anyway, so t- tell me, tell me about when you first knew it was um it was working. Like, because uh, I imagine seeing you were so early into the space, going and talking to landlords and saying, "Hey, I'd like a really big room. I'm going to ask some people I don't know to come and yeah. hang out in it." I imagine that was a bit of a challenge. And when did you first know that it was actually um it, it was it was a, it was working for you? Yeah, there was, there was some things there. I mean, one of the probably big turning points for us was um, when we first launched on K Road in the Ironbed building, our space could accommodate about 12 people. Uh, and, and that was, that, that was the you know, we were like, well, you know, if we could get 12 people hanging out together doing awesome stuff, you know, man, that would be awesome. Uh, we ended up with about 26 in about three months jammed into this room that only could fit 12. And we thought, okay, there's something here. <laughs> this, this, this feels like something. And one of the big turning moments for us was meeting, uh, you know, uh, and we've met some incredible people along the way, but it was uh, Amanda Wright, who at the time was the, uh, she was the creative founder of Explore, the music festival. And Amanda had always been passionate about, um, uh, you know, social enterprise and, uh, and and looking at how these community systems could be developed. And, um, and, uh, and if anyone's ever met Amanda Wright, she is an incredibly passionate and, and uh, you know, no bullshit kind of human being. She, you know, just calls it how it is. And she came in and joined us and, and moved into the space and, and you know, and heard this, you know, sort of uh, scrappy young guys that I'm going to come and work out of the space with. And she got up in an event and she started talking about uh, about this dojo and, and, and what our vision was and what it had meant for her joining the company. And, and that was a big turning point for us. That was that validation that actually we might actually have something here and, and it might be working. I think probably on a really personal level, success for me when I thought we might be onto something was when... Um, we had a resident join us, an amazing guy, uh, join us at a pretty low point in his life, uh, pretty disheartened. Uh, he'd been working for a pretty horrible boss uh, who'd run him into the ground, and he was just going and starting his journey as a freelancer. And uh, and he joined us, no idea what to, uh, you know, bill his hours out, no idea, uh, no customers, uh, you know, no, no clue. A year later, uh, his peer group that he was working around, other residents in the dojo on K Road, they were at his wedding. Um, they, uh, sorry, he was the groomsman at another resident's wedding in, in Switzerland. Uh, they were all best friends. They were out surfing. They created a new company that won a global uh, recognition uh, around a new design product. And from that humble beginning, as one guy not sure what to build per hour, he's now gone on to build a, a highly successful uh, design practice uh, and, and, you know, doing work all over the world and so for me that's that's the shit that actually makes me go you know this was this is so needed and was so necessary you know where it's not just about someone being successful financially it's about someone you know uh being successful in their in their personal world as well and so when your team started uh you thought that 12 desks would be a pretty good outcome how many desks uh have you got across your sites at the moment that people can come to oh so we've got a capacity across New Zealand for around about 4,000 people. Um, we've got about uh, 1,000 people every day working out of this dojo now across, uh, across the country, and, and it feels like we're, we're just kind of getting moving. Uh, you know, through those journeys, you know, uh, you know through that whole scaling, uh, it's been, um, it, it certainly hasn't been an easy ride. There's been some huge challenges around, around that. But I guess the thing for us is we, we started to reach this point of going, well, you know, how can we impact the lives of more people? How could we provide uh, an environment to help with more events and more activities? And so, you know, now uh, I think the last time we did this, 
uh, check-in, which was around uh, early 2017, we'd had over 5,000 uh, 5, people work out of this dojo, uh, over 2,000 companies, um, you know, had nearly 100,000 people attend events over the nine years, uh, whether it was, uh, you know, um, art, uh, you know, um, uh, we used to have a gallery space actually up on K Road, you know, mm-hmm. whether it was an art exhibition or, or uh, you know, or um, you know, um, our first kind of uh, tester in the water around a maker space, which actually, you know, one of the biggest events was uh, Tamayuti's fundraiser for his legal appeal. So we've, we've, we've done some pretty weird and wacky things over that time and, and had some pretty incredible people there. I mean, I think now our community, not counting some of the corporates that work out of the space, uh, it's around about $100 million a year. We, uh, we estimate um, the collective turnover of our community. Uh, and we believe around about 75% of that is export as well. So these are businesses doing incredible stuff on a global stage. It's, uh, you know, often high-value, uh, you know, um, uh, lightweight export services, technology products. Uh, a great example of this is uh, Method, you know, the amazing company Method, uh, which uh, does, uh, if you've walked through any airport in New Zealand, you see these brightly coloured uh, recycling bins everywhere. Mm. Um, you know, Method started off with us in Wellington, uh, you know, five years ago. Uh, Stephen was commuting from Marston. His family are based up in Marston. He was coming down for a day a week, uh, you know, actually, you know, training two hours into Wellington to come and uh, work in the space. We are one of his very first customers. Uh, they've now sold 50,000 units globally. And, uh, you know, and if you don't have a Method bin in your office, then you just don't care about recycling. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 uh, you know, for me, those are the things where you go, shit, this is actually, you know, it's almost become a cult. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and, uh, I'm, I'm really proud of it. It's so cool. And what have you had to upskill along the way? So from chatting to one landlord for, for 12 desks through to, I mean, last year you moved into, um, the Zero Building in Wellington, uh, which is such a high profile uh, and, um, you know, such a cool thing for one of the absolute flag bearers for tech in the country and um, to, to be moving into that space as well. But I imagine there's quite a lot more uh, involved in being a big commercial property um, operator uh, than, than what you'd maybe set out for in the beginning. I mean, you know, our, our business case, our business plan in the early days would be nice if we could pay the rent this month and, and uh, pay for coffee. You know, so you know, um, you know, on that journey from uh, from humble beginnings to a multi-million-dollar turnover business, you know, uh, we've learned so much about ourselves. Uh, I, I mean, I, I completely underestimated, and I suppose you know, around the topic of you know resilience, mental health, and support for founders, I completely underestimated the. Uh, the, the requirement for willpower and uh, and uh, resilience and determination that goes into actually building a, uh, a you know a really successful uh, company and you know the skills are um, you know real basic stuff uh, you know obviously around uh, how you run your company but but it's the things that really I would think um, you know how you deal with human beings how you deal with conflict. How do you deal with, uh, you know, um, finance? How do you deal with tax? You know, the the, the things that are that you know you suddenly realise. You know, you sit there going, "How are we going to do payroll? You know, how do how do we pay our fifty staff? You know, uh, you know, what, you know, we're, you're constantly doing this uh, active balancing with, you know, have we got enough capital in? Where, where are we getting that next line of investment? How do we keep driving the experience forward? So it's uh, it's um, not for the faint of heart. 
at, at all. Um, but it's also, you know, um, pretty addictive as well, I, I would say. Um, you know, once you start to actually make that decision that you want to go go big, um, yeah, there's been a lot, a lot of lessons. Uh, you know, those uh, when we do those uh, what we call uh, the fireside chats and uh, and share the hard knocks and the, and the mistakes along the way, you know, it's, uh, you know there's, uh, there's a fairly substantial amount of content that we can share. Um, we've done a few things uh, really, really well, and I think we've done just as many things really badly. So, you know, it's... Um, yeah, there's a lot on that journey. Having known yourself, you know, firsthand and, and uh, you know, being close to these entrepreneurs, uh, making the economy happen and, and ideas coming together and cool things sparking out of it, was it a really validating um, experience to then work with Auckland Council on actually setting up Grid AKL and pioneering and prototyping that to actually use the the um, co-working and collaborative working space model that you, you'd um, you'd pioneered uh, to help drive economic success for a city. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, again, it's all about impact. It's all about scale. Um, the more resources and the more uh, partners that you have involved, the, the bigger the impact. And you know, and you know, and, and I suppose uh, amazing to work with Auckland Council and, and AT around. Uh, Around the, the vision for a more, um, you know, uh, you know, startup orientated city, um, and and I, I love uh, I love Brett uh, Brett O'Reilly, who was the CEO at the time, strategy around a kind of a corridor of innovation in Auckland, and you know, from uh, north to south, and how could we help you know foster highly grow uh, highly uh, creative businesses, and we're and we're so deeply proud of our, our, our time and our work with. Uh, with AT and, and the group project, I mean, it's, uh, it's just incredible to see that whole thing come together from a humble little prototype in the Palpero building, uh, which actually uh, our first recommendation was to demolish the building and build something on the roof uh, because it was that bad to it being this incredibly thriving environment in there. And, and again, you know, uh, same thing with Wellington City Council. We partner with Wellington City Council on the delivery of Collider. Uh, and uh, you know, and that again is a, a private-public partnership uh, with uh, with Wellington City Council, and you know, hundreds and hundreds of events, thousands of people through. But it's 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 just you know, this um, I think for New Zealand to be able to compete on a world stage, you know, we we have to work as a unit. We have to have these creative partnerships around bringing this stuff together. Not not one organisation, one council, one group can do it on their own. We have to work as a a bit of a family, um, uh, and you know, for me, that's that's what's really exciting now. Um, is you know, what what where to next? What are we doing next to drive this stuff? Well, and and equally, having been so up close to so much uh, success and the the um, growth in people and companies inside uh, your your spaces, you've also seen, I imagine, a lot of the hard times that entrepreneurs go through. And a lot of the Absolutely. the shared, uh, you, you know, the consistent difficult experiences that people have to ride, and was that part of what led you guys, uh, your your team, to, um, to to put together that survey and that idea of um, Founder Central? Yeah, look, absolutely. Um, I mean, over the years, uh, we've seen everything from, uh, and and this is a, you know, there's that age old uh, analogy that it takes a village to raise a child. I mean, it, it definitely takes a village to raise a successful startup and a scaling company. Um, you know, um, as, as entrepreneurs and founders, we traditionally, we're almost a little bit crazy. We run towards problems where everyone else sees a problem and goes, I don't want to deal with that. That looks too noisy and messy. 
We, on the other hand, go, oh my God, that's an awesome problem. How can I run towards it and try and fix it? And you know, and that's exciting. But what we saw time and time and time again as we started to sit down and, uh, and we spent a lot of time talking to our, our residents and the members of our community. I mean, for us, it's you know everything is about how are they doing, how are they really actually doing, and um, you know it's heartbreaking when you see people marriages fall apart because they they haven't been able to um, build enough uh, financial stability in the in the family or. Um, uh, or their business partnerships fall apart, or their ideas fall over, or they just give up because it's just so brutal and they just can't handle uh, the the pressure. And you know, we just saw this over and over again. And we thought, well, you know, is this just an isolated thing to us? And we was lots of conversations in the media around um, around obviously around suicide and, and you know and, and uh, you know, many of our, our residents and our community members have lost uh, people close to them. Or I have, uh, and we've all struggled with that. So we thought we'd go out and we'd ask the broader ecosystem. You know, how how did everyone feel, and and what was needed to drive uh, drive life forward as a founder in New Zealand? And and um, I mean, I suppose in some ways some of the stats were um, um, so gutting, but also almost not surprising. Um, you know, having been around this uh, thing and, you know, around founders for 10 years, uh, you know, you kind of know we're, we're all really good at hiding the reality of what's going on. We're, we're quite good at lying to ourselves and convincing ourselves that it's not actually that bad uh, when the reality isn't actually worse. Um, uh, and, and, I, and I guess, you know, um, yeah, it was, like I say, it was, it was really terrible to see uh, some of the, some of the uh, feedback come back, but then on the other hand, you kind of like you know we expected that it was actually as bad as uh, as bad as um, we thought. You know, New Zealand unfortunately leads the way in a lot of the areas around um, uh, mental health issues, and uh, it's a, you know the terrible, terrible, uh, the terrible thing that we're uh, you know global leaders in the wrong thing, unfortunately. Um, but it's a great opportunity for us to solve it. Well, a thing that really jumped out to me, talking of, of um, having some solutions in there, is that mm. I, I, I also wasn't, um, you know, sadly I wasn't surprised that more than um, half the respondents, a huge number of the respondents, had uh, said that they had um, face times of uh, mental health um, issues and, and, and problems and instability. But the real concern yeah. was that more than half of those people hadn't done anything about it. They hadn't talked to anyone. Yeah. They hadn't reached out. And whether that was because of time, money, or stigma, uh, which yeah. each of those three things should be should be something that we can work on fixing. Because we know that everyone's going to have um, hard times, but yeah. every one of those people needs to know that what they have to do is, is to ask for help. Yeah, I... Look, I, I think one of the interesting things, and this is something that I, you know, um, I had the opportunity to go to um, Israel uh, on a trade delegation uh, early last year, and, and and one of the things that stood out to me from Israeli people, and, it, and it's a cultural thing, you know, uh, you know, around around how Israelis are wired, but there's this real sense of my my responsibility as an Israeli is to create prosperity and jobs for the next generation, and, and they work as this very strong family unit, and there's obviously some stuff that goes on in that. And that part of the world that drives a lot of that. But one of the things coming back to New Zealand that I, I, I so hope that we could start to shift in our children and, and these next generations and start to put an end to it is, you know, um, we've built this unfortunate culture where if the All Blacks are doing great, 
then we're high-fiving the team members. The coach is doing an amazing job and they can do no wrong. The moment the team loses a game uh, or, or has an upset or doesn't win by a big enough margin, suddenly there's heads that need to be on the chopping block. Uh, it's not good enough and we don't accept it as a country. We don't accept failure very well in New Zealand, you know, um, and uh, and we don't really, uh, you know, the moment that you uh, start to make mistakes and, and you're having a hard time of it, the kind of Kiwi kind of mantra as well, you know, oh, we expected that you were going to fail at that, you know, and you've tried, you've proved us right. Rather than rather than this kind of thing of going, uh, man, that sucks. What can I do to help you get out of that? What can we do to work together on solving that problem? And and it's starting to shift. It really feels like it's starting to shift, but we're a long way away from that. Um, and I think you know the the big thing around people not asking for help. I, I, I'll be honest, I didn't ask for help. You know, I, it took me nearly committing suicide myself and diving off a balcony to to actually realise that how I was feeling and what was going on was wrong. You know, it was irrational, and I was uh, I was. Uh, being um, destructive and, uh, and 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 not in a good place. Fortunately for me, I, I, I was lucky in that moment. I was able to pull myself back from that edge, and uh, and realise that it wasn't the right place to be. And I needed help, and I and I asked for help, and 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 actively went after it. Um, but I mean, for so many of us, I think um, we, we're scared of how people will view us. You know, I've I've. I've uh, I've had some really interesting experiences where I've talked to people who've uh, I've talked to investors, uh, you know, both locally and internationally. Who I've said in the meeting, you know, I've struggled with depression and, and mental health, and I've struggled with uh, you know suicidal tendencies and those kind of things. And and I've got this kind of like, oh shit, you've just brought that up. Um, look on their face, and then after the meeting, someone's called me aside, and and one of the investors gone, um, hey, I really appreciate you talking about that because I, I actually nearly took my own life and. And I've never felt confident to talk about it before. Um, you know, so we, we, you know, we're all scared of what everyone thinks about us, and and I think that's the stuff that we need to try and work on. You know, we need to work on the fact that if you're not coping and you're not doing okay, um, you know, we want to give you a hug, we want to support you, we want to be there for you. We don't want to put the boot in and and push you down. And and you know, and I just I just think it requires constant focus for us to do that. And that's so um, important to be to be leading that, contextualising it. So those moments and those times and those experiences are part of a wider picture of of business life and success. And you know you can be the whole the whole person. And that's maybe something. And I, I wonder what you think about this about the entrepreneur journey, especially. You know, you have to fake it till you make it. You have to have a reality distortion field. You have to do the impossible things. And you can't yeah. necessarily, you, you, you may not feel that you have that space to also um, be vulnerable and, and talk about when things are harder than you can imagine. And yeah, to, to create space in the industry, to, to lead that conversation um, is, is so important. What's the reaction been to your your um, bringing this awareness and, and the survey? Uh- yeah, look, I, um, I suppose we're just. It feels like we're just at the start of this journey, and and and, I, and I'm I'm so incredibly uh, heartened by um, by the uh, the new government's uh, strategies this week, just announcing a comprehensive uh, you know strategy into how to support and and develop better plans uh, around uh, our health, um, you know, mental health and. Uh, 
you know, in New Zealand and actually really, really start to get into the nitty gritty on that and, and, and take an active role and, you know, and listening to our uh, Minister of Health, uh, you know, David Clark, right, Honourable David Clark, talking about the fact that, you know, um, <laughs> there's a lot of work that needs to be done in this space uh, and, uh, and we can't, um, we've got to just em- embrace that it's not working and we've got to fix it. Uh, which was really, really good. And, and, and for me, what's come out of the survey is, uh, and, I, and I guess the big thing is more open dialogue around it. I'm, I'm hardened, uh, I'm, I'm really, really blown away actually by um, more and more people sort of being open about these topics and talking about the challenges through it. Um, there's still so much that needs to be done. I mean, one of the things that really stood out to, to, uh, to me and the team when we started to work through this was, not only is there a, um, a kind of a, a huge need for support for entrepreneurs, founders, and business owners around how they deal with the day-to-day stress of just trying to create jobs and trying to create um, prosperity, um, but also the, the uh, unsung heroes that actually um, are supporting us through that, our partners, our husbands, our wives, uh, our boyfriends, our girlfriends, our, our family members. You know, I, I mean, I... I you know, it really, uh, really stood out to me when we started having this conversation about support for founders. What we really needed to start having as a conversation more broadly around everyone who's involved in that. You know, the kids, the parents, the, the you know, the partners in these things. And you know, and I, I just feel like um, uh, we haven't got all the answers, obviously. And um, you know, there's, there's going to be uh, you know numerous missteps along the way, but. You know, I suppose the more we can talk about um, tools and techniques that have helped people get through and how they've dealt with it, um, uh, you know, the more we make that conversation open, um, you know, um, surely uh, that's going to start uh, shifting the perception around it. Um, and maybe, just maybe for our kids and as they grow up, um, we can start to um, get them into a headspace where rather than them uh, internalising it and uh, and hurting themselves, they they come to us as parents or as guardians of that, and and say, hey, I'm not coping, and, and I need some support. Um, I mean, that's really my hope out of all of this. Oh, it's um, it's it's a hope we all have. Um, I re- really do, and it's so courageous that you are. Um, leading the charge like that. Um, in, in terms of the questions that we ask all of our guests, you know, what's what's the advice? And you must have a lot of people come and talk to you as entrepreneurs in the space looking for advice. What's the advice, just in general, that you do give to entrepreneurs? Yeah, I think um, I think you know it's it's evolved over the years. I, I think uh, trying to listen and understand to how your own body works and how your own mind works. Uh, recognising those trigger points. Um, I, I, I firmly believed at the start of all of this that being a successful uh, business owner, I needed to do 100-hour weeks. So I needed to, you know, if, if, if there was a waking moment, it should be in the complete pursuit of what my business uh, needs to achieve and, uh, and nothing else matters. Literally everything else that comes behind that, um, you know, uh, family, uh, health, everything. And, uh, and what I didn't really think about was actually, um, and it took, I sat next to him, uh, the CEO of uh, New Zealand's sporting, um, sporting body, and, uh, and, and she made a really interesting comment to me a year ago when she said, you know, um, high-performance athletes spend 95% of their time training for 5% of the race, you know, for, for 5% of the game. And she said, you know, 
what would as an entrepreneur, how much time would you spend working on on you know training and and, and developing your, uh, your 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 muscles as an entrepreneur? Knowing uh, zero, you know, we spend 98 percent uh, of the time racing. So if you imagine, if you imagine being a, an athlete and running. You know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and never stopping, never putting the right stuff into the engine and, and getting yourself going. I mean, we, we, this, it just wouldn't work, would it? And so one of the things that I try and sort of talk to uh, you know, people coming up is, is is find that rhythm that actually works for you. Find how you find that sweet spot around your productivity. Um, you know, constantly be curious about how to do things smarter. Um, uh, you know, try and use as much empathy as you can. You know, we live in a time where... Our customers want to connect with with our brands and ourselves, and what why we actually do what we do. So it's 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 you know as important to know uh, you know the purpose of why you get out of bed each day as it is to be able to provide a fantastic product and and, and do that. So I you know um, and don't sweat it. You know um, you know you're going to make terrible mistakes, and uh, as uh, I don't. Know, I feel like I'm an old guy saying this, but LV Martin, if anyone remembers LV Martin yeah. in Wellington, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, there was always this uh, thing that always stuck in my head from the LV, LV Martin ads back in the day, which was uh, it's it's not the the um, mistake that's the issue, it's the putting right that counts. And, you know, and I, and I guess, you know, we all, we all fuck up along the way. How do we kind of deal with that in an open and constructive way and how do we help others along that, you know? Um, and I guess that's the thing that I, I try and sort of uh, talk to people about, and um, and just you know, you know, breathe. I mean, we've only got one shot at this life, and uh, it's precious and it's beautiful, and we're fragile human beings. And you know, surely, uh, surely we should try and enjoy ourselves and uh, enjoy the time we have. Um, otherwise, we uh, you know we wake up when we're seventy five and go. Well, I have a few regrets. Uh, well, I spent my whole life working, never saw my kids grow up, or I, I never uh, took a punt at doing that business uh, because I was too scared. And you know, I'm just thinking, you know, um, just give it a go. Just, you know, enjoy it. <laughs> oh, that's, that's magic. Thank you, Nick Shuring, the co founder and chief evangelist at BizDojo. Uh, thanks for sharing your yeah. story. And um, yeah, look, looking forward to the big plans that I know that you guys have in store for 2018 and onwards with um, with the huge business you have going at BizDojo. You've been listening to Business Is Boring, presented by Simon Pound. All this was brought to your ears by The Spin-Off and Vodafone Zone. From The Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business Is Boring. Brought to you by SparkLab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. 
the Spin-Off Podcast Network.